You're listening to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast, episode 69. It's time to look at weight loss in a whole new way. Instead of focusing on calories in, calories out, you'll learn how to use your brain to transform your body and heal your relationship with food. If you're ready to lose your weight for the last time, you're in the right place. Because it's more than what you eat. It's who you are when you're eating. This is the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast. Here's your host, life and weight loss coach, Dr. Michelle Tupman. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. You are in for a treat this week. I am sharing with you an interview that I had recently with Nancy Picard, who is a certified master integrative life coach. And we had all of these amazing intentions of talking about some of the beliefs that we hold as women in terms of our weight, our body size, beauty, many of the beliefs that lead us to gain weight in the first place, but may also interfere with our ability to lose weight, even though it's the thing that we may want more than any else in the world. And we do talk about that to a certain extent in this episode, but we also talk about how these shadow thoughts, as Nancy describes them, play out in our lives. And she illustrates how this works by actually coaching me. And I was put on the spot a little bit, and I'm okay with that because I think this is a brilliant opportunity for you to see what it's like to be coached and how coaching can actually help you get to the root of some of the things that are holding you back. And so I am pleased to share this interview with Nancy. Nancy Picard, splitting her time between Colorado and California, she's a certified master integrative life coach with a myriad of coaching certifications specializing in shadow work, boundaries, and reinvention. She is the author of the international best-selling book, Bigger, Better, Braver, Conquer Your Fears, Embrace Your Courage, Transform Your Life. She offers a digital course and an online Zoom coaching course featuring her book. Prior to her work as a coach, she operated as owner and founder of a personal training gym for 16 years, so she knows what it takes to help people achieve big goals. And she lives by example. In 2017, she traveled alone in Thailand and Vietnam and undertook her biggest challenge, climbing Kilimanjaro at the age of 61. Now coaching others to step out of fear and into bigger versions of themselves is her passion. She is the mother of two grown sons and an active grandmother to four beautiful grandchildren. She's an avid hiker, biker, skier, yogi, and pickleball player. And she's passionate about her five-year-old Australian Labradoodle, Bliss. Now, you would never guess that Nancy is a grandmother. She is so full of life and she has so much wisdom to share. I am super proud to share this interview with her. Please note that links to her book and her website are in the show notes. So please go check them out. I have already gone and ordered the book and I cannot wait to dig in. So without further delay, here is the interview with Nancy. Nancy, welcome to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast. It is amazing to have you here. I'm excited to be here. And why don't you, before we delve into all of the amazing stuff I know we've planned to talk about today, why don't you start off just by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Okay, so I'm a master integrative life coach. And basically what that means is that I work with people's shadow beliefs, the beliefs that are in their subconscious that came out of the first 10 years of their life that they're not aware of. 
and they rule their operating system. So I'm not good enough. My voice doesn't matter. Um, I'll always struggle. Life will always be a struggle. My needs will not be met. I need to be perfect to be loved. I need to control everything to be safe. These are some of the shadow beliefs that people get from their childhood, and they're not aware of them, but they really, and shadow beliefs are made to keep us safe as children, Mm -hmm. and they do keep us safe, but as adults, they keep us playing small. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so at some point, when your life is not get, when you're not getting what you want, when there's a discrepancy between what you say you want and what you're actually experiencing, there's usually a shadow belief and an underlying commitment that goes along with that belief that keeps you from getting what you want. So, for example, you may say you want to be in a committed relationship, but what you're experiencing is shutting off men before they can leave you, you know, finding what's wrong with them before they can leave you, leaving them before they leave you, keeping your heart closed. So you're really more committed to having a closed, safe heart than you are being in a relationship. And so you say you want it, but as the years go on, you're not getting it. Right. And that's why, because there's something you're really more committed to than what you think you are. Right. And here is something so amazing is just this past weekend, I was a coach at a girls event. So this was a confidence conference for girls who are age eight to 12. And we we did many exercises with them um, to show them how their thoughts affect their feelings and how they experience their feelings and how to tap into their confidence and, and things like this. At the end of the day, they had to write down limiting beliefs that they wanted to bust through on a board. And then they like, they like karate kicked the board to, to break it and and bust through it. It was this tremendously symbolic thing for these young girls. And these girls were ages eight to 12. And some of the sentences that they wrote on their board shocked me and included things like I'm ugly. I'm too fat. I have to be perfect for people to like me. I talk too much. I don't talk enough. All sorts of things that it just it just kind of reiterated how some of these messages are getting ingrained in our brains from such a young age. And while they were able to identify these, I think as adults, as we get older and live our lives, it becomes harder to see that we actually hold on to these beliefs about ourselves. I agree with you. Yeah. And boys and men have very different ones. Sure they do. Than ours. I mean, it's really, I mean, honestly, women, even though we have all the, these disempowering beliefs and a lot about our body that men don't have, Men are are brought up in this patriotic system where they're being shut down and they're not really being allowed to have their feelings and to feel their feelings. And so it's really, I think women are almost, we are doing so much more work on ourselves that we're actually getting ahead of the game. And Mm -hmm. hopefully the young girls that are coming up will get ahead of the game. But you just hit with exactly the age where these shadow beliefs are already formed. It's right. amazing. So it it just it just 
emphasizes for me the importance of doing events like this for girls for this age, right? Yeah. So we, we can start changing those beliefs right exactly. from an early age. But you you called them shadow beliefs. And I like that because using that example of wanting a commit, committed relationship, but simultaneously pushing men away. I mean, wow. I see there are a million examples like this, but many of us can't actually identify that, you know, there, there is a fear of a broken heart or fear of abandonment or what, you know, whatever the heck um, it, it is. So how can we bring those shadow beliefs into the light so that we can work on changing them? Well, obviously working with a shadow coach is the best way. <laughs> that's the easy answer though. Yeah, but, it, but that's not a plug for that. That's actually, it's not, easy to do that work on yourself Mm -hmm. you don't you don't know what you don't know right so in my book I made that book actually so that you could do the exercises that I do with my clients by yourself you know you could buy the paperback book and do everything yourself and not have a hire me or hire a shadow coach but if you don't want to do that and you don't want to buy or listen to my book then you could start to say to yourself, all right, I say I want X, but what I'm experiencing is Y. I say I want to lose 20 pounds, but what I'm experiencing is eating all day long. Yeah. Or, or what I'm experiencing is having dessert at night. Or going on a trip and, and feeling that I'm on vacation. So, you know, I can stuff my face. So you have to start to look at where is the discrepancy Mm -hmm. between what you say you want and what you're getting. You know, say I want to run a marathon, but, you know, I use everything, anything that comes up and gets in my way of running gets in my way. I don't do it. Right. So you start to see what you're really more committed to than the thing you think you're committed to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you may be committed. Many of us are committed to soothing our wound. You know, we all have wounded children inside of us that likes to be comforted. And some of us comfort with food, some of us comfort with alcohol, some of us numb out. It's like, what is your, what is your misery stabilizer? Right. You do to numb out and feel better when you're not feeling, you know, when you feel your wound, when you're not happy, when you're not conscious when you're when your conscious adult brain is not in control and you're wounded or your adaptive child is in control of your brain mm-hmm. then you're going to do those you're going to you're going to go to these misery st- stabilizers that are going to keep you away from getting what you want right and listeners of this podcast tend to use food as you know the numbing agent or the thing that they're going to turn to to avoid feeling all of that pain And just listening to you talk there, a personal story comes to mind because I have long since wanted to incorporate more movement into my daily life. And this is something I recommit to every single week. And I've been recommitting to it for years with little to show for it. And I mean, I will move every day. Sure, I will, but not in the ways that I know I can and not in the ways that I feel pulled to do. And here's here's what the thing is for me. 
when I was in my early 20s um, in, in university, I think towards my last year um, of, of university, I, I had a hard time. I had a major depressive episode. I had to drop out of school. It was horrible. And my brain perceived that to be secondary to me having too much on the plate, me having too much on the go. And I've always been that way. Even as a small child, I did all the things. I wanted to make sure I did all the things perfectly. I was terrified of getting a single word wrong on my spelling test. And somewhere, I think I just got the message that I have to do everything perfectly. And then as this young adult, I got the message that if I actually do everything perfectly, I fall apart. <laughs> I, I break completely open. And so now that I'm an adult and I'm an emergency physician and I'm the chief of my hospital and I'm running a business and I host a podcast and I do a million things. And the, this, this little niggly thought that I keep ha having is if I add one more thing to my plate, I'm going to lose it all. <laughs> I'm just going to lose it all. So if I can't go and be a perfect athlete right now, tomorrow, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. It's not enough for me to just go for a walk or to do some yoga. I have to go for a run or I have to do a weightlifting session for it to count and, and be perfect. So I'm watching this very thing play out in my own life right now. So fascinating. I have a couple of questions for you. Who would you be without that belief that there's there's a, a there's a few parts to that? Yeah. One is if you didn't have the belief that it's only going to count if you do a major exercise, who would you be without that belief? Oh my God, I would be so much healthier, more energetic. I'd be spending more time, you know, moving outside, which I love and improves my mental health. And just, you know, the amount of time I spend ruminating on this thing, even that, if that went away, I would have so much time to be creative and, you know, think, think about, think about other things. Yeah. 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 And then the part about that you need to be well, that you need to be perfect to be safe is definitely one of your childhood shadow beliefs. Do some work around that to see where that came from. And yeah. then you give yourself a new empowering belief that doesn't go there. Um, but also, Michelle, you are doing too much. So the reason why you're, you could break down yeah. is that you really are doing too much. And so... Yeah. Instead of getting rid of the exercise, I would look at all those things that you're doing and see what else could I take off my plate mm -hmm. so that I could be better to myself. Yes. Yep. That, that is absolutely the work that I need to do. And the thing that's tied into this is I used to eat to numb away many different negative emotions. I've healed most of that. But the one that I still struggle with is overwhelm. And of course, with the number of things that I have going yeah. on um, in my world right now, um, overwhelm is something that happens from, from time to time. And, you know, I, I often teach women how how to process through emotions so that they don't have to eat to numb it. 
But this is also an example of where we have to look at our lives and how the choices that we're making are contributing to these emotions that subsequently lead us to to eat. So yes, I can work on managing overwhelm better, but I think what my work is, is exactly what you said, is yeah. to feel overwhelmed less by, by looking at the things that, that I have on my plate. And of yeah. course, I, I am in the process of, okay. of doing that. Yeah, yeah because yeah. It, I mean, I'm an over-exerciser, so mm-hmm. we're actually having we're, the- we're polar opposites, you and I. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually have to- not allow myself to overexercise. So I limit how many different activities of exercise I will allow myself to do in a day because historically I've gotten cancer, I've gotten adrenal fatigue, I've gotten parasites. I've done, I've overexercised myself into the ground a number of times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when you don't listen to your body, your body doesn't listen to you. So instead of thinking I could break if I'm in overwhelm, you need to say to yourself, I'm an overwhelm addict. Yeah. I'm actually, I feed myself by overdoing. Mm-hmm. I feed myself by overexercising. It makes me feel great. It makes me feel this is how I see myself. I'm an athlete mm-hmm. while well, you're an overdoer. Yes. And yet, if you don't control how much you overdo, that's on you. Yes, it's it's totally yeah. on me. But here's the thing. And, and I'd like to talk about this concept of fear for a little bit because, and maybe you, you feel this too, when you think about limiting the amount of exercise you do in a day. But when I think about giving myself some downtime, that is potentially the most scary state of being for me ever. I simply cannot relax. So, you know, here's an example. My husband and I just came back last week from a two-week vacation in the Middle East. We were in Egypt and Jordan and had a fantastic time. Now, the good news is that I didn't have a single moment to think about work. So I actually felt like I had a mental break from it all. But this was busy, busy, go, go, go holiday. We were up at the crack of dawn every day, um, walking 18, 20,000 steps every single day, busy, busy all day long, come home, like melt into bed and start it all over again the, 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 the next day. And keeping myself super busy was the only way I could actually take a break from work, ironically. The thought of lying on a beach for a couple of days and doing nothing feels like form of torture for me. I'm I'm like it, it's a scary, it's a scary feeling. Yeah, um you the, around it, Michelle, because that's I, how I used yeah. to be. Yeah. And I have learned to balance downtime, working in and working out. Sure. And so you're running from something. You may not be eating your fears, but you're being overdoing as your misery stabilizer. Sure. But how, how do you actually move beyond the fear around all of that though? There's different kinds of fear. All right. So I say I use fear as a driving force for change. Sure. If I'm afraid to do something, that's that's actually 
telling me I need to do it. Right. Oh, you don't think you could write that course that you've just been asked to write? You're not big enough. You're not smart enough, whatever. There are better people than you, you know, the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. I know that I need to step in and do that. And so honestly, Michelle, you may not have gotten to the bottom of what you're overdoing is saving you from whatever that belief is, you know, you have to do work around that to figure it out. But without even figuring it out, if you recognize the pattern, Mm -hmm. you can pull the plug. Like I want to exercise. I love the endorphin high. I still want to go do like, I just did, you know, 18,000 step hike today and 120 floors, you know, like big deal. And yet when I'm done working, I could go out and, you know, play pickleball or do something else. But I hold myself back because I know what's good for me. Yeah. My brain, see, there's cognitive dissonance. Your brain wants what it knows. That doesn't mean good for you. Totally true. Totally like comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. Brain likes to be busy. Right. And it's also that cognitive dissonance that tells me this is where I have some shadow beliefs and this is where I need to work. So I've got a few things, right? I have this desire to be moving more and relaxing more, but I just can't bring myself to do it. And there's this feeling of fear around it as well, right? the The fear says it's not safe to sit still. What, and where do you think that came from? How far back do you think you had it? It feels like forever. It it feels like forever. Tell Um, me where that came. Tell me, give me an example of that in high school. In high school. Well, in high school, I was involved with everything. I was on the student council, part of every club. Um, I had several different friend groups. I played soccer, played in the band. Um, I also did art. I was also part of the science club. I like I I just I was okay. doing everything all of the time. Now let's go back even yeah. earlier. Yeah. Go back even earlier. Tell me, think about your childhood. Like yeah. did your mom have you in a zillion things? No, no, she she didn't. Okay. Um, so where do you think it came from? Your need to do a lot of things. See, it's not a need, it's it's a belief. Something sure, sure. inside you made you believe that for you to be loved, you needed to do everything. Where do you think that came from? That's a good question because when I when I think of my younger childhood, I actually enjoyed spending a lot of time by myself. Um, that was something that was very enjoyable for me. But I was I was a painfully shy child and very very introverted, and being out in the world was uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if just being busy in my own head distracted me from all of that. Well, or, you know, obviously it would take more than this podcast to work this out, but it's possible that somewhere along the line as a child, somebody said something to you Mm -hmm. like, Michelle, you got to get out there, you know, 
you can't be, you can't, you can't always be by yourself. You got to get out there. Well, in fact, you know, I'll tell you, they actually tried to hold me back in grade one because I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't speak up and put myself out there. And, you know, my parents said, no, let's, let's move on. And that was probably, probably the right choice. Maybe, maybe it comes from there. I'm not sure what you're afraid of. It's interesting when you talk about the fear of doing less, the Mm -hmm. fear of not being busy. What is the fear? Fear of what? It feels like if I take a step away from my various different roles in my life, even for a moment, that they're just going to go away. What's going to go away? The thing that I'm not actively engaging in at the moment. Why do you need to be all of those things? Are you not enough? Like, wait, do you know, Michelle, that you are worthy just because you are, you were born and you're breathing? Like, do you feel worthy or do you only feel worthy? No, no, I, I do believe that I do feel worthy. The problem here is I was bored during COVID. So at the start of the pandemic, the very, very beginning of the pandemic, the message the government was sending out to my community was to stay away from the emergency departments until we know what's going on. Only go to the emergency if you truly, truly need to. Right. And so we were actually much less busy for a long time. And that was when I decided to do my life coach training and do some other things as something positive to fill the extra space. Right. And it was just a lovely balance. And it turned into this business that I love with all of my heart, even more so than I love medicine. It's just I can't financially leave medicine yet. Right. Right. So my goal is to build my business enough to reduce the amount of medicine that I'm actually practicing. So I'm I'm getting there. Um, And there is certainly I absolutely can prioritize how I want to be spending my time when I wake up every morning. The reality of some of my responsibilities make it such that it, 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 it can't happen. And so a lot of the fear is around me not being present enough in my business for it to do what it needs to do, which I think is maybe just a little bit separate from the anxiety I feel when I think about taking a break, because that's been present forever, even before I had all of these things on my plate. But improving improving. Um, Some time ago, maybe a year ago, I committed to having one day off per week where I don't do any any clinical work, no administrative work, no business work. And I do honor that. And I am okay now with that day. But to ask me to go beyond that (laughs) is is too much. You could try this. You could try asking yourself every morning when you get out of bed, what is the most self-honoring thing I can do for myself today? Great question. And for you, it needs to be working in or working out, but it needs to be not working. It right. needs to be 
at another commitment. Maybe the most self-honoring thing you can do today is have your cup of coffee and go for a 30-minute walk, run, jog, yoga, whatever. Yeah, that is probably the answer most days. Probably is the answer most days. Um, And then I would also try to just do a little work around your your sense of self-worth is very connected to how much you're doing. Yeah. And there's a belief underneath there that you need to uncover. Mm-hmm. You don't have to tie them together. Yeah. So the self-worth yep. is not about how much you do. How much I do or how much I accomplish. Right. For, for sure. I agree. And I, I love this because what we had intended to talk about on this interview was the belief that many women have that their self-worth is tied to the number on the scale or the size of their body or, or, or how, how they look, you know, something, um, something external like that. And how they look, right. What their net worth is. Yeah. Here's the, here's another really big problem women have. We're very other referenced. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was married for 26 years. And as long as my husband thought I was worthy and beautiful and sexy and smart and blah, 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 that's how I saw myself. Right. But after 26 years, he had like a major midlife crisis and he did not want to be married anymore. And he wanted to be married to somebody two years older than my son. And so I could be a lot of things, but I couldn't be 29. You know, I was 45. He was 46. Yeah he started dating 29 year olds, I couldn't be that. And so because I was other referenced, I lost my own sense of self worth, very possible, Michelle, that you feed your worthiness by, oh, she's such a good doctor. And she's a great wife. And she is on this board. And she's on that board. And look how amazing Michelle is. Mm -hmm. And then the accolades of everybody on the outside, Mm -hmm. being a little girl on the inside doesn't know her own self-worth. Yeah. And that is probably true for sure. It is. And you can, I just want to tell women who are listening to this, that it's not your fault. It's not any of our faults that we grow up being other referenced. I mean, this is just what society tells us. Mm -hmm. Right. And I knew from a young age that I never wanted to be a mother. Right. And if I'm not a mother, then who am I as a woman? I have to go and accomplish all of these things, right? Right. And we're also told from a very young age that women who fit the standard definition of beauty in our culture have more worth than women who don't, right? And so it might not be the case of somebody specifically telling me, you know, Michelle, you must accomplish many things to be worthy <laughs> or, you know, Michelle, you, you must be an individual to do all these things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, they're, they're subtle messages often that come from the people around us as we're children that we, 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 we envelope. and we all have these things, right. We all have these shadow beliefs that are, are at play at some level in our lives. Correct. And also it doesn't matter how you feed your self-worth. Let's Mm -hmm. just say that for the moment, but however it is, then it also affects your net worth because 
if you don't think you're good enough, then you don't ask for more pay or you don't look for the raise or you put blinders on and don't think about where your money's going and what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Worthiness affects it. It bleeds out into every area. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing people have to do is become self-referenced, become self-referred. You are worthy because you are on this earth. You don't have to prove anything. You don't need other people's opinion of how of what you need to do to be worthy. You have to know that you're worthy just because you breathe. You know, and here's what's so amazing. This is the message we were giving these 8 to 12-year-old girls over this workshop over the weekend. And it's still the message that we have to give to women 40 right. years later, right? Because we didn't learn it then. Yeah, we didn't, we, we didn't, didn't learn it then. We didn't learn it. I was, I was shocked listening to these girls. Like they learn about what a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset is at school. All of these things. Like this was stuff that we were never taught um, when when we were young. So it would be fascinating to see how some of these young women um, grow up. And I'm certain they will still have shadow beliefs. They just might be different ones than than the women of of our generation. Yeah. not that's just our it's how it is but um like I love working with 30 year old women because in my head it's like let me let's get there now you know don't wait till you're 50 to find your voice to be worthy just for who you are to know your worth to Mm -hmm. stop set you know to learn how to set healthy boundaries to ask for what you want to make your voice and your needs a priority Women don't do that. It's just not how we're brought up. And we need to teach that. And so when I work with 20 and 30 year old women and teach them how to ask for what they want and to recognize, start asking themselves, what do I want? What do I need? Yeah. Yeah. What will make me happy? That's a whole turnaround that women don't generally ever ask themselves. And They have the shadow belief that their voice doesn't matter or their needs don't matter. Yes. They'll never set a healthy well, back. That is such a common belief amongst women as well, isn't it? Totally. Isn't it that our needs must come last? Yeah. Yeah. Love and life means taking care of everyone else first. Right. Well, you know, I'll tell you, I read this silly little book a couple of years ago called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends on It. Have you heard of this book? No, it's just this short little book and it's this man's description of his journey through to self-love. And he's got lots of little tidbits and exercises to do in there. But there was one sentence in this book that really hit home for me. He said, in every situation, he would ask himself, what would I do right now if I truly loved myself? Mm, and I right I started asking myself that question and it took months before I could even hear an answer right because we we are just not used to putting our needs first in 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 this way so I I love that question that you asked me um earlier is you know what is the most self-honoring thing I can do today I, I like that in addition to this, you know, if I truly loved myself, what would I do? If I truly valued myself, you know, what what would I do? I think those are such powerful questions. To yeah, and I think if, if your self-worth was not tied into production, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, Michelle, that is a male 
thinking. Mm-hmm. The patriotic world is that men are valued by what they accomplish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have that. Mm-hmm. You have that. And so who would you be? How would you play your, out your life differently if you didn't have to prove anything to anybody or yourself? What could you do less of mm-hmm. that would give you more space in your so, life? Yeah, well, you know, I think I think I'm getting there. Like I have definitely learned to say no. I have said no to lots of things. The whole reason why I have the leadership role in my hospital is because it actually puts some parameters around my schedule in terms of the shifts that I have to do clinically in in the emergency department. So it actually puts me on a schedule that's kinder to my body um, and gives me a little bit more flexibility. But Mm -hmm. They pay me for X number of hours for this work, but the actual number of hours required is at least quadruple that. And I have been very clear about my boundaries around my time. I will do the the, the hours that I'm being paid for, and I'm not going to do you know anything beyond that. Which three years ago that would have just been impossible, you know, for, 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 for me to get to. Um, so I feel like I am practicing putting boundaries around my time. Um, I'm aware that I have a little bit too much going on right now, but I do have plans in motion for that to change over the course of, of, of 2023. And I'll tell you that the the pull, like the desire, that yearning to have a a, a simpler life is getting to that point where it's too strong to ignore it any longer. So um, I will have to do some work around all of this um, to to find some peace around a a new way of living for myself. And I have an idea. And to feel comfortable. It's like, you know, I have a lot of clients who, um, unfortunately, they had sexual abuse as a child. And so they are either, you know, 200 pounds overweight or they're bulimic or they're anorexic. And they have this belief that they need to be invisible to be safe. Mm -hmm. And yet they finally, the, the ones that are really heavy, if they, when they lose the weight, when they actually finally stick to stick and they lose the weight. All of a sudden, they're anxious. Yes, and I have these though th- that exact same type of client in my coaching practice as well. And so I think we're all very aware aware of the fact that we have to do this work now. So I'm constantly telling my um, my clients that if they don't feel comfortable in their body now, if they don't like their body now, no matter how much weight they lose, they're still not going to feel good. The solution to how you feel about yourself isn't weight loss. Right. It just isn't right. Um, and it doesn't mean you don't want no, to lose the weight or that you don't have to have that body. It's not like you yeah. can't do that. But if your weight is on you because of a belief that's not serving you, when you lose the weight, the uncomfortableness of now being seen, mm-hmm. when you really didn't want to be seen, when you don't feel safe being seen, mm-hmm. that adds a whole new level of anxiety for you. Totally. So you does. have to know yes. like, what's underneath your, your weight gain in the first place. 100%. Yep. 
hundred percent. And that's, that's exactly what we do um, inside my programming. Yeah. For sure. But cool. that's why this conversation is so important, right? Understanding what these shadow beliefs are, um, the, the thoughts that hold us back. I think it's, it's super important to do that work, whether you're trying to lose weight, whether you're trying to drink less, whether you're trying to work less, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I find it, at least the way it played out for me is the, I, I, I coach weight loss because that was my, that was my sticky point for a long time. Right. And it's, um, I mean, of course, all of these issues are interrelated in, in one way or another, and we will often substitute just one way of buffering for another. Right. So um, one misery stabilizer for another. It it, it just that, 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 that's the way, that's the way it works. But the value is recognizing that pattern and then seeing what's underneath, what's underneath of it all. And for me, this, um, this desire to have a simpler life has become so much louder than the desire to feel safe by overworking. Right. So that's, that's what has prompted me to do a lot of this work in, in my own life. And when I'm honest with myself, when I assess my day before I go to bed every night, the things that are bringing me joy are not the external accomplishments, not even remotely close. And so as I um, spend more time focusing on that, on what actually makes me feel you know, fulfilled at, at the end of the day, it's none of these things that I think I have to do in order to be successful. So that's something that I'm, you know, holding on to and trying to spend a little bit more time with those thoughts to, to find a, a balance for me. Great. It's good work. All right. Uh- Nancy, way back half an hour ago, you mentioned your book. Can you tell us a little yeah. more about that? So my book is called Bigger, Better, Braver, Conquer Your Fears, Embrace Your Courage, and Transform Your Life. And it's a step-by-step how-to. So when I was, when I turned 61, I went and climbed Mount Kilimanjaro as like a bigger, better, braver moment for me to show myself what I still had, what I could do, I could do big things, blah, blah, blah. I also had a fear of traveling alone so of being alone, I'm not safe alone was my shadow belief. And so I I put that all together and could prove to myself that I could do big things and I could go alone and I could, you know, do all of this. And so I used to think like, oh, maybe the title of my book would be What's Your Kilimanjaro? But I realized that nobody would read the book unless they actually thought they were going to climb Kilimanjaro <laughs> and have all of five people reading the book. <laughs> But so it's really, it it's, it's my life. It's all my clients examples and it's a step-by-step how to, but I use my clients examples to, to make the point. Cause it's so much clearer when you see what other people's shadow beliefs were underlying commitments or how do you have a growth mindset and how do you set yourself up for success and how do you forgive yourself and all the things you need to do. It's all packed in this book and it's the first step. You you might be able to read the book and then go back and do chapter by chapter and step by steps and 
Um, you could do it with a friend so that you've got an accountability partner, which mm-hmm. of course is what coaches are all about. Or you can start with that and then say, oh, this is good stuff. I'm going to hire her. So it's all good. Okay. And so Nancy, can you buy that book on Amazon? Okay. Buy it on Amazon. You can buy it on my website. You can buy it at Barnes and Nobles, any, any online book. It'll be there. All right. I'll be sure to include a link to your book in the show notes and to your website, which is nancypicardlifecoach.com. Perfect. Wonderful. And just FYI, Nancy, I have also climbed Kilimanjaro. Um, It was when I was 21 or 22, Uh way back when in the 1990s. Um, Highlight. Of course you did, Michelle. That's such an accomplishment. (laughs) On your list, I got to do that. (laughs) Oh, if only you knew. I I went to Tanzania um, as part of a school project. It actually started a lifetime love affair with the African continent. I've probably been back almost every year since then. Um, I do lots of teaching and Doctors Without Borders and and things like that there. But I went have zero intention of climbing Kilimanjaro. Oh, zero really? intention. Did not have any equipment, not like I, I didn't even have appropriate footwear, nothing. Oh, and I fell so in love with everything there that I changed my plane ticket to come home for some weeks down, down the road. And I met some people and we just decided to go climb Kilimanjaro. And back then in the nineties, you could literally just go to Arusha and knock on, you know, a tour agency's door and make arrangements to go the next day. Can't, wow. can't do it that way anymore. But I, I borrowed running shoes. Yeah. I borrowed um, like a, um, a warmer clothing for right. the top of the mountain and off, off we went. Wow. Yeah. I trained for six months. I bought right. all the equipment like totally yeah. I, I raised money for team and training I did it for team and training for leukemia yeah, yeah very different very different but I loved it I I highly recommend it to everybody oh gosh me me too and I keep thinking maybe we should you know my husband and I should just go 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 do it again right. if yeah. that were the case it would have to be a six-month training you know, and, and everything else. Yeah. But you know, when you're 21, you can, it's different. Just go and do it. Right. Yeah. Well, Nancy, thank you so much for the talk today. And thank you so much for the coaching. Um, that oh, was really helpful was and probably beneficial for listeners to hear how this, this I'm whole sure. thing is done. Um, sure. So before we sign off today, Nancy, are there any last words of wisdom you'd like to share? Yeah. So in terms of bigger, better, braver, use your fear as a driving force for change. And also that the, I say this a lot because I love it. The last man on the race still beats the guy on the couch. Absolutely. Just get up, get up and start and, and, and bite size, you know, bite size, very small action steps, one at a time, Prove to yourself you can do it. Stay in integrity. Stay in alignment with where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And you'll get there. I love that so much. Thank you so much for joining us, Nancy. Thank you. All right, Nancy, thank you so much. That was amazing. Um, I hope you all enjoyed hearing me get coached a little bit on that. And now you 
know some of my deepest, darkest secrets and the things that I am working on personally. Um, but it just goes to show how much we can grow, how much more fulfilling our lives can be when we engage in the coaching process. So please see the show notes below for a link to um, download Nancy's book, Bigger, Better, Braver. You can get the hard copy. You can get an audio book. You can get a digital copy. It's all there for you. I've ordered mine already. Super excited to dig in. You can also learn more about her on her website, which is down in the show notes below. And if you'd like to experience coaching for yourself, you are more than welcome to join us inside the Nurse Yourself Body and Mind group coaching program that I offer. You can find out more about that by heading over to W www.waysahealth.com forward slash nourish dash yourself for more information. If you have any questions about what you heard today, reach out to me anytime. You can find me on social media or you can email me at michelle at waysahealth.com. I look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye for now.